Welcome, friends. Thank you for tuning in to The Voice of Victory. Today, you will hear a sermon from our dear friend, Evangelist Steve Freeman. We hope that this episode will be a challenge and an encouragement for you today. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. It is good to see you tonight. Uh, Barbara and I are trying to eventually get to, to, to know everybody. Uh, it's, it's hard, I'm telling you. It's a little easier for you because I'm up here and everybody says, well, that's Brother Steve. But my soul is a whole bunch of you. And so be patient with us. Amen? Uh, the way preachers, you have to understand some things about preachers. Uh, a lot of times uh, somebody will come to a pastor and, and, and unload a problem of some kind and say, Preacher, what do you think? And, he's, and the preacher will say, Well, we need to pray about it. Now what he's saying is, I ain't got the foggiest notion of what to tell you, but we're going to pray about it. Amen. All righty. Uh, when you shake my hand and I say, Hey, brother, how you doing? It's because I don't know your name. Amen. And I'll say, Sister, how you doing? It's because I don't know your name yet. But I got your face. So I'm halfway there. Amen. And so just be patient. Mark chapter 8. We'll start reading verse 22 and read down through verse number 26. Interesting thing here. And it says, and it's talking about Jesus, and he came to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. Let's pray, and let's ask for the Lord's help tonight. Father, we come to you. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Pray that you'd help us now as we uh, look to your word. Father, there's a lot of burdens tonight, a lot of requests, a lot of things upon the minds of your people. Lord, we thank you, Brother Tedard, and Lord, other requests that were mentioned tonight, things that are pressing on our heart, and oppressing on our mind, Lord, and even think of, of friends and, and things, the folk that I'm acquainted with, that special needs. And so, Lord, we come to you tonight. We come to you as a burden people. And, Lord, we need you to hear and answer. We need you to intervene. Some of our folks said that they had burdens for those that were lost. Lord, others were sick. Others facing cancer. I'd ask you, Lord, that you'd help us tonight as we look to your word to get some encouragement and some help with these burdens. For, Lord, that's why we're here. I pray that you'd bless them and speak to our heart in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to bring a message tonight that I've entitled Half Done. Half Done. Uh, it kind of rings a bell uh, from the Old Testament where the Lord's talking about Ephraim. And he refers to Ephraim as being a cake not turned. Uh, he's half done, in other words. But uh, tonight we look at a, at a miracle the Lord Jesus performed in his ministry and probably what I've called through the years probably one of his most notable miracles. And not so much in that he touched a blind man, for that wasn't unusual for Jesus to do. I mean, he had touched folk that could not hear and restore their hearing. He had cleansed lepers. Uh, he had touched folk that, 
uh, uh, with all manner of illness in one kind or another. He had cast out devils and and he had done marvelous things. And so for the Lord Jesus to touch a blind man and to make him see, you know, I'm not belittling the miracle, but he'd done that. I mean, he and he was capable. He was the Lord, amen? And so it wasn't an unusual thing. It wasn't beyond his power. But we find in this miracle the Lord Jesus doing something that it almost seems like he half did it. For he had touched this man. He said he spit upon his eyes and asked him what he saw. And the man in verse 24 said, Well, I see men as trees. Now, you and I both know men are not trees. And so... This man that Jesus touched, was he healed? I can't really say he was healed because his vision wasn't right. I can't say that that uh, uh, this healing was complete because he couldn't see. He couldn't see clearly. And then we find the Lord putting his hands on him again in verse 25, and then he asked him again to look up, made him look up, it says in verse 25, and then he saw every man clearly. Now let's uh, let's consider some things. Let's first let's remember and be reminded that uh, Jesus makes no mistakes. Amen. He makes no mistakes. And this thing that the Lord did in these verses is is out of whack as maybe it sees to us. You know, as as out of character as it seems to be for our Lord. Just be reminded that Jesus is not bound by any certain way of doing things. For he's God. The Lord can use anybody, anywhere, any place, any time, any way to get done what he wants to get done. And he's not tied to the way I think. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. He's not tied to the way you think or the way you think it ought to be or the way we experienced it before. Just because God did it one way one time doesn't mean he has to do it the same way the next time. Now, understand there are some things God is locked into. He only saves men by faith. Amen. They're only cleansed by the blood. We understand those kind of things. But as far as God taking circumstances and rearranging those things and making things come out the way He wants them to do, He's not tied. He is not, he's not put in a box. He's God, and He being God, being the Lord, can do anything He wants to do anytime He wants to do it. And we need to remember that as the Lord has done this miracle here. And so Jesus did not make a mistake here. He didn't mess up. The Lord Jesus didn't say, well, it didn't work the first time, let me try it again. No, 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 no. That's not the way God does business. Amen. And so we have to take this event of this miracle as the hand of God. That this is the way the Lord Jesus intended to do this miracle. This is not something He miscued. This is not scratching his head and say, well, it worked before. I wonder why it didn't work then. Uh, that happened to the disciples. Jesus had come down from the Mount of Transfiguration and a great crowd of people was around his disciples. And, and they, when they saw Jesus, they all came running to where he was. And, of course, we know from the, from the Scripture that found out that, that a, a man had brought his son to the disciples to get them to cast out the devil, and they couldn't. You know, the, you know the account of that, how that later they asked the Lord as they were off to themselves, said, why couldn't we cast him out? And, of course, you know the results of that, that this time only come forth by prayer and fasting, and the Lord Jesus instructed them. But they could not. Well, there never was a time when Jesus could not. There's never been a circumstance. There's never anything that happens in your life or mine that Jesus can't. 
Now, I understand that can't is in the English language, but can't is not something that applies to God. For God can. And there never is a time when God can't. There may be times because of circumstances and the way we are that God won't. But there is never a time when God can't. And amen to that. And that means when there's cancers involved, God never gets to the place that He can't. That means when there's sicknesses involved, there never comes a time when God can't. Or He can, He's God. And so the Lord Jesus didn't make a mistake here. Now, understand that God in His wisdom deals with us differently at times. And sometimes He may deal with us in one area under one set of circumstances and later in life deal with us differently. But He's God and He's the Lord and He can do as He ought. For God is God and we're His. And if He wants to live us, then we live. And if He wants to take us, we're gone. And it's, He's God for He's the Lord. Now, let's understand some things as we consider this. Let's understand this, that our full understanding doesn't always come at the same time, doesn't always come at once. I think there's some lessons from this miracle that we need to see. Uh, I want to take this event that I've called half done and cause us to remember that there's some things in this life we'll never understand. There's a lady in our church back in Winchester. I, you notice I still call it our church, Amen. That's a habit in 19 years, and I can't hardly break that overnight. But there's a lady there that came to our church over there in Winchester in 1982. I've told folk before that if you had a church full of women like that, you'd have a good church because she loved God. She loved the book. She loved the work of the Lord. She loved the preacher. She loved doing for the church and all those kind of things. Just the kind of member that any church would want. Here it hadn't been too many weeks ago, they diagnosed her with a brain tumor. In stage four, if you know, if you understand anything about cancers and things, that's that's it. That's as high up as they go. Stage four, inoperable. It's in her brain. They can't touch it. They can't do anything with it. They've tried some experimental drugs. They've got the report back. It's growing. It's not shrinking. So they've discontinued the experimental drug. It's not doing anything. And you wonder why. And you question and you, you wonder about those kind of things. You, you thought, and, you know, and, I, and let me just be real honest. I, I've said before that we've kind of knit together and we're family. And now that I'm joined over here, we are family, bless God. And you understand that, that as a preacher, there's times that if I'd have been God, I might have given somebody some cancer because they need to get on. Now, it's just the way it is. There's some folk that you can do without. At least you feel that way. I told the folk one time in preaching, I said, you better be glad I'm not God because some of you I done beat to death. You know? But this, this dear lady, she's not one of those folk. They'd be the one that I'd want to go to her side and raise her. I'd want to go and, and touch her and, and get the cancer gone. But the way things are looking, that's not going to happen. I don't know. I, I, I realize that there's never time God can't. But I, ain't, I didn't fall off the tater wagon yesterday. I've been around this world a while. And I've been involved with folk that are sick for a while, and I understand if God don't intervene, then she's going to be seeing Jesus someday, real soon. And I know that. We don't get our full understanding now. There's multitudes of things that we will not understand in this life. I can't explain why Jesus touched him twice in these verses. 
But I know one thing, by this touch that Jesus did, and the man only saw vaguely, he saw him in his trees walking, he didn't see it clearly, then I can see a truth there, that there's times as a child of God that things are going to happen. I'll read things in the Bible that I may never understand in this life. But my brain can't handle it. My mind won't take it. If I was to get a glimpse of that, it'd only be half. I like the songwriter. The half is yet to be told. Amen. You see, there's just some things God does not intend for us to understand here. I've also learned something else from these kind of things. In this matter of understanding, don't get, don't get all mad at God. I think when we get on heaven's side, half of the stuff we wonder about, we won't care about over there. Amen. Because when we get on heaven's side, our preoccupation is going to be with the one who loved us and bled and died for us and purchased us with his own blood. And our desire on yonder side is going to be bringing glory and honor and praise unto him. And all the little old flitty things that we have to go through down here just won't matter on the other side. But it'll help us to remember our full understanding doesn't come down here. A second truth as we kind of muddle into these verses is that we can't judge anything by the first light. We can't. Years ago, my dad's with the Lord. Now, he died in 1988, but back when daddy, before his heart attack, and he worked for the county road maintenance. He drove a road grader. That's back when most of the roads were gravel down in North Georgia. Not all of them were paved, especially the county roads. And it wasn't an unusual thing. I'd ride with him on Saturday morning. I'd go out with him to work, and that's back before OSHA. Uh, <laughs> had a bunch of list of do's and don'ts for occupational hazards and all that kind of business. Daddy'd take me out on Saturday with him. I'd ride the grader. I'd get in the seat beside of him, and he'd pull the ditches and and and, and pull all the dirt and the leaves and stuff out of the ditches and grade the roads and all that stuff. And I'd ride with him and enjoy the fire out of it. Neatest thing I ever seen. You never rode a road grader, man. You ought to get somebody that knows one and get one and ride that thing. Amazing what kind of power you feel when, when you're on a machine like that. My dad, one day he was out, he went out early that morning going into work and, and already he's on a, in a dump truck that day and he's driving out and, and run into a big bank of fog thicker than gravy. And said it was so thick, he was talking about when he come home and he said it was so thick you couldn't hardly see the stripes in the road from the cab of the truck. That's pretty thick. Now he thought he knew where he was. I mean, he had just, you know how you get a feel of where you are. He just knew where he was. And he said, well, there's a, there's a, there's a little store here at the intersection of this road. He figured where he was. And he said, well, I'll pull into the parking lot until this lifts a little bit because you couldn't see nothing. And so he pulled off the road into the parking lot of this store and got over there. And he thought, well, I'm, I'm okay. So he waited about 30 minutes. Fog began to lift. And when it lift, he was out in the side of a pasture. Wasn't anywhere close to the store. Matter of fact, if he'd gone much further, he'd been over in the fence. Wasn't anywhere near where he thought he was. Store, no store, intersection, no intersection. He's just about in the middle of man's pasture. And he thought, Lord, hit me, you know. He backed out and got on back on the road and went on his business. You see, you're just not sure where you are until the light really begins to spread and you can tell. We need to be awful careful of judging things by the first light. Whether it be an individual Christian or a situation or circumstance of life, we better be careful 
pulling down the judgment on something when we've not really known all the facts. Because, bless God, we don't know. You take a young lady that gets in the family way and she's not married. We better be careful of pulling down the judgment of God. You understand what? We, boy, we jump the... Man, we, we crucify folks so quick. We do. We'll do that with preachers and we'll do that with churches and we'll do that with individual Christians. Something will happen in their life and we'll rear back in our Pharisee will go away and say, Ah, I thought so. Never had me fool. Lord, help us. We better be careful how quick we ought to judge because first light comes along. You may not know where you are. <laughs> you, may, you don't know all the circumstances. You see, you're not in on all the little details and so you don't know why. And there's going to be times when circumstances of life come along. You don't know why. Our clear understanding can only come by the Lord. You notice the Lord Jesus touched him twice. The only reason this man went home seeing is because Jesus touched him. And the only reason we can ever say with any kind of assurance that we understand a situation or circumstance is because the Lord had showed it to us. Because we can't see in a man's heart. We can't judge a man's desires. And we cannot know the motives in a person's heart without the Lord actually showing that to us. You say, preacher, I don't see all that in those verses. Well, just bear with me. Amen. It's here. It's here. Two things. There's two things I want us to learn tonight, and I'll not keep us long. Especially tonight as we come tonight burdened down with prayer requests and needs and, and worries. We need to understand that when we allow the Lord Jesus working with our problem, and that's, this man had a problem and Jesus dealt with him, then there's two things I want you to remember if you don't remember anything else. Number one, we've got to have faith in the working of Jesus. We've got to trust Him. That means when sickness comes, when finances get messed up, when things are not going the way we think they ought to go, we have got to trust the Lord's working. Now this man, we're not told a lot about this man, but you notice he didn't draw back from Jesus' touch the second time. He could have all, and as far as our understanding goes, he could have said, well, Lord, you didn't do it the first time, then how do I know you're going to do it the second time? That's the way we are. You get burnt once, you don't put your hand back in the fire. That's the way we're raised, is it not? If somebody burns you one time, then you're not going to fool with them again because they burnt you once. That's the way we're geared. And had he been from North Georgia, hey, man, he'd have said, Lord, you touched me one time, it didn't work, then why do I fool you now? But you notice he submitted himself to the Lord's touch the second time. Thank God for that. He went home seeing. Had he drawn back from the Lord's touch, then the Lord had never got him touched the second time. He'd never seen men clearly. He'd have seen men as trees walking the rest of his life. But instead, he surrendered to that. We need to trust the Lord's doing. I don't know why God makes folks sick or allows folk to be go into places of sickness. I don't know why uh, God would take a little one. And, and I, I think I may have mentioned it in the school revival. Years ago, uh, one of my best friends, his name's Raymond Ballou. I've talked about Raymond all over the country. There's people that know Raymond that he ain't ever met. Amen. But when, when I was young, when I was three, four, five years old, we lived in Spring Place, Georgia. Spring Place, Georgia is not a big place. You can tell by the name of the town. We had a four-way stop in those days, and now it ain't any better. They got a caution light to be sure you stop at them four stop signs. 
It used to be the county seat, tore the courthouse down, moved it to another town in the county. I mean, big place. And I grew up there the first six years of my life. We lived in Spring Place, Georgia, and I lived right next door to Raymond Blue. Come to find out after we'd moved to Ringgold years later, I mean, talking about years, gone through high school, graduated, gotten married, ran across Raymond Blue. Raymond Blue had gotten married and found out that we got married on the same day, July the 2nd, and we'd gotten married at the same time, 7 o'clock. That, that don't mean a thing, but it sure is interesting. Nothing psychic, nothing spooky, just happened. Well, Raymond and Belinda, they had, a, uh, had uh, several kids. They had three kids. The third kid came along, a little boy, and they named him Stephen, after you know who. And I felt honored. I was really, I, I thought, this is something. And little Stephen, before he was hardly a year old, died. I sang in that funeral. I didn't preach it, thank the Lord. I'm glad that wasn't my lot. I sang. And the little casket wasn't hardly this long because you didn't need a big casket for a little baby. And you didn't need a whole bunch of pallbearers. All you need is one fella to carry it because it didn't hardly weigh anything. It's made out of fiberglass, powder blue. I still see it in my eye right now. We took little old Stephen out and buried him. I can't explain that. I don't know what God's doing. I can't tell you now the purpose that God had in that, but I've learned one thing. I'm going to believe it is working for Jesus Christ never does wrong. I don't care what the circumstances are. You just got to have faith in the working of God. You say, preacher, circumstances are not good. The, the doctor's report don't sound good. You just believe God. Because Jesus Christ is in the midst of doing things and working. And you got to trust His working. You say, preacher, don't understand. That's Remember, you're not going to understand everything down here. It's a blessing from God that you don't. Because if I understood it all, it might scare the fire out of me. Amen. We've got to have faith in His working. We've got to have faith in His ability to help. We've got to have faith in His wisdom as far as His actions are concerned. I don't know everything, the purpose behind everything, and the reasoning behind everything, but I believe there's a God in heaven that loves me with a love unspeakable and, and full of glory. I believe there's a God in heaven that will not do wrong toward me. And because of that, no matter what He does, I've learned to trust Him. No matter how the circumstances are. I've learned to trust Him. Because He never does wrong. He never does wrong. It matters not the circumstances. We've got to have faith in His working. Second truth. I told you I'm not going to keep you long. Of course, you all believe that, don't you? Hey, man. I like it when you talk back to me. Amen. Not only do we have to have faith in His working, but we have to have patience in His timing. We've just got to have patience in God's timing. Now, when you get to know me, you're going to find out that if, if things don't work when they're supposed to work, I get fidgety. Now, I've dealing with Baptist folk all these years, I understand that you just got to wear out and, and put you, you know, and just wait. And so I've learned some patience being pastor. Amen. But my nature is, if it don't fit, make it fit. If I got a round peg, square hole, shove it in there. 
Got to go in. Now, but it, it'd go in a little easier if you'd shave up the dynamite and shove it in. That's my nature. If it's if it's supposed to happen at seven, bless God, I don't care if you ain't got nothing that happened at seven. That's you know. And I found out God don't work like that. Now I realize that there's times that God has put his finger down and it's going to happen. The scripture says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. There was a time before creation that God had determined, and when that time came, it happened. I believe that. But I also found out that God, in his working with me, takes patience. And working with you, he uses patience. And in dealing with people, he uses patience. Because we're like that mule I sang about in that song, the hornet song. There's so much in man that resembles a mule, for he's so contrary, you know. That is the gospel truth. Daddy used to have a saying. I had several sayings. One of them was marked it on the wall. If you marked it on the wall, it was going to happen. Another one of his sayings was it was the gospel truth. Because if Daddy was trying to emphasize to us kids that that was true, that was the phrase he used. It's the gospel's truth. And the reason for that is because the gospel is true. Amen? And if something's gospelly true, the gospel truth, and it's got to be so. And I found out that God works in certain areas and with certain things, they happen when God said that happened. But there's sometimes dealing with us that he spreads that happening out over years. I found that out dealing with kids. Sometimes we, especially when we grow up, we, we're so we're so short with the kids. We say, if you don't do this now, then you're not going to be used of God. The truth is, I can't judge that until the life is done. Because God may be doing something in their life right now that I know nothing about. Number one, it's not my job to know. Number two, I don't have to know because I ain't doing it. Number three, God ain't doing it to me. So why should he tell me what he's doing with you? You follow what I'm saying? And so he's working in that life. And there may be five, ten years down the road, God just twists that life right back around and set it in shape to where it's supposed to be. And all of a sudden, God's using them. And here I am trying to figure out, how did God do that? That's because God takes a lifetime to make you what you are. He don't make you this and this and this. No, He makes you what He wants you to be as you yield to Him through your life. So we need to have patience with the timing of God. We've got to learn three things. Number one, we've got to learn to wait on God. When there's sickness and there's... when the doc, Man, there's nothing like it when the doctor comes out and says there's no hope. I remember when my dad had his first heart attack. Mom was real concerned he'd be in the hospital by himself, and so uh, we uh, uh, we took turns, me, my brother, and my brother-in-law. Brother-in-laws are good some, you know, sometimes. It's good several ways. Number one, they keep your sister out of your hair. That's a blessing. But they come in handy. And so we took turns setting up the hospital with Daddy. Now, he's in ICQ. We couldn't go back to ICQ. Hey, man, if y'all on the computer, you know what I'm talking about. ICU. If you don't know what ICQ is, don't ask me. It's like AOL Instant Messenger, amen? But anyhow, that has nothing to do with the message. Uh, 
we took turns sitting up with Daddy. And my brother took the early time, my brother-in-law took the middle time, and it was my time, my time, why, I don't know, but my time to go there at 2.30 in the morning and to stay till Mama would come about 8 or 9 o'clock. So I get up, one eye open, you know, and go to the hospital at 2.30 in the morning. And I'm sitting up there in the waiting room, because you can't go back there where he's at, because he's back there squirreled away in, in one of those rooms back there, and they won't let you in. He's hooked up to wires and lines and, and TV monitors and all kind of stuff, and you can't go back there. So I'm out here in the waiting room, 2.30 in the morning, the TV screen is <laughs> nothing on it. There's nothing to watch. The radio stations are not on, nothing on. This is back before we had 24-hour TV and that kind of business. So I'm sitting in this waiting room. There's a fellow laying on the couch over here dead to the world paper over his face, snoring. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? Sit here from 2.30 to 8 or 9 o'clock. And I'm sitting there, not really knowing, because I can't go back where Daddy's at. And about that time, there's a fella came in and sat down in the chair right across from me, nervous as a cat. Just fidget, you know, just you can't sit still. And he looked over at me and I said, hey, you know, this is Georgia. I said, how you doing? And he looked at me and he says, my wife's in the emergency room and the doctors tell me she's about to die. Now, I know why God got me there at 2.30 in the morning. Do you see? We've got to trust His timing and we've got to learn to wait on God. Now, if it had been up to me, I'd have had a lot of things to do. I'd have had a lap full of work to do. If there had been lights on, I'd have been watching the television had the thing been on. No, God put me there and had to wait on His timing. And I couldn't do a lot. He didn't stay long, but I tried to encourage Him a little bit, trusting in the Lord. God had you there to sow some seed. I do not know what came of that. I have no idea what came of that, but I've got to trust in God's doing. And I've got to trust in God's timing. You've got to have patience. We've got to learn to wait on God with our boys, with your kids, anybody. When you're dealing with young converts, when somebody comes up and gets saved on Sunday morning, don't expect them to walk the straight and narrow Sunday afternoon because they've got to be going through some training just like God took you through some training. And you've got to wait for God to do it just like you had to wait on God to do it in you. You see what I'm saying? You've got to have patience in the working of God. You've got to learn to wait. When you put the seed in, when the egg cracks and the, hen, and the little the little chick comes out, you don't have chicken dinner the next day. <laughs> if you did, you'd have to have a whole bunch of them. Follow me? you got to wait. you got to wait. You've got to learn to wait on God. Second thing. We're waiting on God's patience. We're learning to trust God's patience. You've got to learn to wait on God. And you've got to learn to, to, to trust His order of events. You've got to let God do it the way He wants to do it. Number one, you don't have any choice. Because <laughs> He's God, He's going to do the way He wants to do He's the Lord. And you may as well trust the way He's doing it, because number one, He's doing it right. Because if I do it the way I want to do it, I'll mess more lives up than I can ever straighten out. But if I wait and learn to wait on the Lord and allow Him to have His order of events in people's lives, in my life for that matter, then things work out right. Well, you learn to trust God. You've got to have patience to do that. 
You've got to learn to trust His order of events. I've said for years, and I still believe it, God can take somebody down on the sick bed and have them hanging within a thread of life. And then with just the, just, just the desire of God's heart, bring him all the way back from that place to a place of abundant health because he's God. And the truth is, I've seen that happen in people's lives. Hang on a thread one day and almost restore fully to health within just a few days' time. God can do that. God can do that. Now, the Lord does those kind of things because He's got a purpose in mind. And we have to trust His order of events. If it was me, I'd have never taken down to that thread. But I'm not God. And so He takes them to that thread because He's got something He wants to accomplish. And when God gets done, what He wants done is mighty good. We've got to learn to trust in His order of events. And this last thing, in trusting in God's dealing in His timing, we just got to let God do it at His speed. And I'll be honest, when the kids were sick and I said, Lord, touch my son, I wanted to touch him right then because I was tired of him being sick. I, when I first came to Calvary years ago in 1980, I worked in Jasper, Tennessee. That's across Mont Eagle Mountain. Those of you familiar with that area over yonder, it's about a 50-minute drive. And I'd go down there surveying, work 10 hours, you know, 8, 10 hours a day working out in, on, the, on the mountains over yonder. And that stuff. when I got home at night, I wore out. And I still had to be the pastor. And when folk called, and said, oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Lie through your teeth, you know. You're wore out and tired. Yeah, you want to come up? Yeah, yeah, I'll be over. Didn't want to go, but I went because I was faster. And there's times when the kids were sick. I can remember when we first came here. Uh, my soul took the church in June and in September had a conference for missions and got sick as a dog that week. Barbara was sick. I was sick. The two oldest boys were sick. The only one who wasn't sick was the baby. And he'd crawl around the house. And whatever he did, I didn't care because I was too sick. We locked the front door, the back door, and just let him go. So sick. Only time in my entire ministry, I was too sick to be in church. And I was the pastor. My soul. Matter of fact, the fellow that was preaching for me came by the house and made us chicken soup. Terrible. Don't understand that, but I'll tell you what. God had his purpose. And I've learned to wait on the Lord. And when God does things when he wants it done, he's going to anyway. When I learn to trust the speed at what God works, then it sure is a load off of my mind. You see, we worry ourselves to death and we work ourselves into a frenzy and then we're all tied up in knots and ulcers and all this kind of stuff and then God does it. And then we sit back and say, well, praise the Lord. Had we just been kind of waiting on God all along then we wouldn't be worked up in a frenzy and we wouldn't have to go for ulcer medication and drink all that mess that you have to drink for ulcers and wouldn't have to take nerve pills and all that kind of business and all so many folk have to take if we just learn to wait on God's time. Learn to trust what He's doing and learn to go at His speed. I found out through the years these two things. Sometimes God does something like that. I remember a fellow got saved. And when he got saved, he had an awful time to liquor. And when he got saved, 
He changed fountains just like that. God changed him. Never drunk again. That's the way God works, isn't it? Amen. But then I met somebody else that had other habits in their life, and it took them months, years to have any help. Well, couldn't God just... Well, I sure He could. But God was dealing with this individual about this. And in God's time, and in God's purpose, and in God's patience, He dealt with him over a long time. And still got victory. Amen. But God had a purpose in that. Now, me being the Baptistic, independent Pharisee that we tend to be at times, we done consign one of them to heaven and the other to hell. Ain't that the way we are? Lord, help us to understand sometimes God will reach down and touch a blind man and the blind man says, Lord, I can't see clear yet. And the Lord says, that's all right. I got a purpose in it. And he reaches the second time and he touches him. The second time when Jesus gets done, he can see clear. We don't understand everything comes our way, but bless God, I can tell you one thing. There's a Jesus in heaven that loves us with a love that we cannot even describe in our English language, but he loves us with an abundant love. He loved us so much that He gave His own Son to die for us on Calvary. He loved us that much when we was lost and wicked and on our way to hell. How much more can He demonstrate that love toward us now that we love Him? And I'll guarantee you, whatever it is you're facing and whatever it is you're going through, there's a Jesus in heaven that loves you. You don't understand, but trust the hand of the one that cannot do wrong. Let's pray. Father, we come to You tonight. I want to bless Your name for this that you did to this blind man. I'd ask you now, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us. Lord, there may be folk here, no doubt there are folk here, that are facing things in their life that they're not sure what's going to happen. Lord, they're facing things that they just don't know how it's going to turn out. Lord, I'd ask you that you'd help them tonight to, to rest in thee, to trust you, Lord, no matter what the circumstances, Lord, no matter what the doctor says, trust you. Lord, I'd ask you, and, and Lord, trust you for the outcome. Even though that outcome may not be what we would want, trust the hand of a Lord that can do no wrong. I'd ask you that you'd help us. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. I, I'm new. Just got in this family. But if you're here tonight and you're burdened and God has spoken to your heart and you need to come and pray, why don't you slip out of your place right now and let's just gather right around this altar and let's ask for God's help and God's blessing and God's patience and God's uh, uh, understanding. And we may not know what He's doing, but bless His name, He does right. Would you come right now? That's good. Come on. That's good. Come on. If you want to come, just come right now. It's a good time. We're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to ask for the Lord's help. We're going to ask for His, His touch. We're going to ask for His blessing. We're going to trust His will. You don't know what the Lord's doing, folks. But I know one thing. He's the only one who can do it. He'll do it right. Now, Father, 
we pray that you'd bless and help. Now, Lord, these folk are here tonight, these that have slipped out and met us here at this altar. Lord, there's some special burdens. Lord, some of them, we, we don't know how heavy they are, but Lord, you know. Lord, you feel the weight. But Lord, you're, you're in their heart. You're with them and you know. You know their fear. You know their uncertainty. Lord, you know all those things. So Lord Jesus, tonight I'd ask you, Lord, for thy glory and for thy name's sake, Lord, just because you love us, I'd ask you, Lord Jesus, that you'd do a special thing in our midst, that you'd touch these with these burdens. And Lord, there's others that maybe they didn't slip down here to pray, but they're burdened. Lord, we pray especially tonight that you would touch and strengthen and encourage and help. Lord, every time you were faced with a congregation of people, you looked upon those folk and you had compassion. Lord, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that tells me that on heaven's side, you looking down on us tonight, and your eyes and your heart, is just as filled with that same compassion it was in those days. For you're the same yesterday, today. So, Lord Jesus, I'd ask you that you'd help us. Lord, for these burdens, these special needs, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd touch. And, Lord, for all the questions that we have, and, Lord, I confess I have them. Lord, I think these folk do too. Lord, don't understand why. But, Lord, we understand that you love us. We understand that you're in control. We ask your mercy and your grace and we pray for your touch upon these that we're burdened about. Lord, some of them are lost. Some of them are sick. Lord Jesus, I think of that dear lady, dear, dear sister in our, there at Calvary. Lord, I pray for Miss Louise tonight. God, I'd ask you that you'd touch for thy own namesake and thy glory. Lord Jesus, I bow to your will. Give me the strength. Give us the strength to carry on in a way that honors Jesus, in a way that brings glory to Him, in a way that would be pleasing to You. So, Lord, I pray that You'd touch and help. You'd encourage and give strength. And, Lord, You'd reach down with that same dear, tender hand that touched them, this man in these Scriptures, and that You'd touch our loved ones those we're burdened for. And we'll thank you and bless you for what you do. Have your way now in Jesus' name.